Welcome to Studies Show, where we talk about the use and misuse of scientific research in popular conversation and its cultural implications. I'm Imran, and I'm here with my cousin, Ruma. Today's episode, Do Millennial Men Want Stay-at-Home Wives? That's the title of Stephanie Kuntz's recent op-ed in the New York Times, and today we're going to look into whether or not it's supported by the studies quoted in the article. We'll also dissect different hypotheses to explain what the data is showing and discuss the social implications of the analysis. Awesome. Okay, so this essay, I mean this article, it's called, as you mentioned, Do Millennial Men Want Stay-at-Home Wives? And so uh, one of the interesting things about it right away is if you actually read the uh, Times piece by Kuntz, it doesn't really seem to be about what that title is suggesting. Um, And so, you know, what it, and there's actually been an update to the article since it was originally posted, which kind of deepens that point, which is that, you know, while the headline says it's about men and uh, whether or not they want stay-at-home wives, it seems like, um, at least to me, that the essay is actually arguing that millennials in general, regardless of gender, are perhaps moving in a direction that we might call traditional or in terms of how they see relationships and, and the, the breakdown of of work and home life. So I don't know if that's right or what you think, Ruman, but I know that you had some thoughts on, on how the essay itself kind of laid out the argument and whether or not it was making that point clear enough. Yeah. And in our discussions, I've called the headline a bit clickbaity and divisive. And here's why. The big takeaway image-wise in this article Um, comes down to this one picture here that says young people, old school views. And it talks about what percentage of young Americans disagreed with the statement. It is much better for everyone involved if the man is the achiever outside the home and the woman takes care of the home and family. And what this graph is showing, it looks very compelling, is that over time, um, there has men and women were tracking very similarly in their sentiments about that statement. But over time, there's a bigger gap where more men, uh, sorry, fewer men disagree with the statement than women, as in um, more men would like, uh, presumably want the opposite. This is so, this is so confusing because these double negatives, you always get me, right? Um, and and I, I think we'll talk about that later too and how important it is to construct your statement and to understand what the opposite of your statement is because it's very careful wording to say that you disagree with the statement, that it is better for everyone involved if the man is the achiever outside the home and the woman takes care of the home and family. Only 52% of men disagreed with it. 74% of women disagreed with it in 2014. And that shift that uh, that difference widened quite a bit starting about 2004. Um, one thing that I did not realize in my readings of this article, and I'm guessing other people didn't pick up as well, is this is this is a graph of one question in the general social survey. And their update at the very end says that this gap actually closed a little bit in the 2016 uh, data that has just become available. They don't say by how much but they do say that it does. I'm assuming that there still is a gap, but it's just not as big, um, still compelling. However, I will point out that this entire discussion of this entire article is almost predicated on this one question from the GSS. Um, And as we look into the other studies and analyses that are quoted in this article, I do not think any of them split out by gender. 
especially the one that is in the very beginning, which is this uh, Council on Contemporary Families article by um, sociologists Joanna Pepin and David Cotter. Okay, so what it seems that Kuhn's herself was actually arguing um, in, in her writing is that there was a shift in millennial thinking as compared to previous generations or a continuation of a shift, but uh, about relationships between straight men and straight women. Um, given the, the data presented here overall and, and the arguments as they are laid out, I mean, what's the actual trend? Uh, I guess that's the question for us here today, right? So the Kuntz piece, when it is quoting um, the CCF article, that's, that's the Pepin and Cotter article, mentions that this is a uh, distinction made for the youngest millennials. So again, here's where everything sort of gets jumbled. Um, while we say millennials, millennials, um, it is debatable what that age category contains, but the CCF article says it's the youngest millennials aged 18 to 25 <clears throat> who are supporting, who fewer of whom uh, are supporting these egalitarian family arrangements, right? So there's, there's a few hypotheses that the article goes into, and the first one is um, another study also by CCF, and this is by a political scientist, Dan Casino, who's a professor at Folly Dickinson. Um, and his discussion of the Pepin and Cotter piece is that in his prior research, he found that men who earned less money than their wives did less housework than those men who earned the same or more. And as a bigger twist, this was conditional on total rather than relative income. So if a man had, did not have a high or what's perceived as a high earning job and the wife uh, did have a high earning job that this man would do less work but only in cleaning interestingly not in cooking um, and they found this to be a symbolic uh, lash out against uh, perceived emasculation so his hypothesis on this is that this is what we're seeing we're seeing this perceived backlash on um, uh, against increasing gains uh, for women in the workplace. What do you think about that, Imran? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a very compelling hypothesis because, in, and, it, and I get why that the, um, this is kind of where maybe the title comes from. Um, because it, it's, at the moment, especially, if we think about what's happening uh, or what has happened politically and like even before that, I, I think about Gamergate, I think about, a lot of these uh, moments in recent time, which seem to suggest that men are reacting to uh, women's gains or changes in society generally. And if we went deeper into that, I would say uh, maybe it's especially white men, especially straight white men. And, and then so for me, that hypothesis about, um, you know, the men reacting, at, at, you know, at, as a backlash makes a lot of sense but then i th you know what's interesting about this article generally is that it kind of complicates that reading um because even when the writer tries uh to connect this gss study uh to you know the recent election they kind of make the connection that perhaps that explains the gender breakdown of uh of the votes for hillary clinton but you know i think as you mentioned in, in um, when we were talking about this earlier today, 
uh, you know, that isn't a, 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 exactly a, a perfect thing correlation to make. You know, that that connection is a little bit more complicated, and so I think that that's where uh, the article gets really interesting because I feel like my, my gut is okay. Yes, men have definitely been reacting what seems like women's gains. And, and I, I talk about this a lot in, in terms of the, the entitlement of, of men and, and being challenged. But another part of me thinks, okay, well, that's been happening for a really long time. You know, men are always reacting to women's gains and always, especially white men in power, are always kind of annoyed or complaining about the rise of women, the rise of women of color, the rise of people of color. That's not a new phenomenon, really. So maybe there's something else happening here that's a little bit deeper or a little bit different. Um, it is interesting to see these very uh, compelling cases lately, like you mentioned, Gamergate. Um, it, and, you know, maybe it's because we have an era now where we can more freely share this information and that wasn't available before, right? So, you know, things like Gamergate can only happen now. They could not have happened 20 years ago, right? Things happened a little, a lot more... Um, hidden possibly um and and i do think it's it's difficult to try to link this to whether or not people had supported hillary clinton um you know although they do point out that there's this gender gap where 63 percent of young women voted for mrs clinton and only 47 percent of young men did so you know and professor casino also did um a study on earning and whether that how that impacts a likelihood to support Hillary Clinton for president and saw that um, when he primed voters, when he asked voters questions to remind them that women earn more than men, men became less likely to support uh, Mrs. Clinton for presidency. That's That can all be compelling. But the problem here is, and this goes back to my original point, we have this image, this graph that's taken from a general social survey that splits out by gender. But no other studies do. Uh, the CCF study um, shows a very different story. We see the decline. Uh, the premise of the whole article is about you know, whether there should be um, a woman in the household making decisions and not, not in, uh, out working, um, or that whether we should have a more traditional family uh, structure. So that if you click on the article, is their figure three, young people's attitudes about gender and families. And they find that globally, that's the issue. So for their entire population, uh, over time, and this goes back further than what the GSS shows, um, this goes back to the inflection point is about 1995, where more people disagree, sorry, fewer people disagree with the statement that it is usually better for everyone involved if the man is the achiever outside the home and the woman takes care of the home and family. So the sentiment, the disagreement with that sentiment peaked at about 60% in 1995 and has steadily gone down versus the um, image shown uh, in the general social survey where the big gap between men and women starts to happen in, in uh, about 2004. Um, so it's, it's a little bit temporarily off. Um, but, you know, it is this global, according to both genders, uh, issue where both men and women are, are seeing this. So maybe falling back on the this idea of, you know, backlash against women's gains, while there may be a, a story for it, but I think there might be something more here. Yeah, what's interesting is that 
you know, in both of these studies, it seems though that in the mid '90s there was, or you know, from the beginning of the '90s towards the middle middle of the decade, there was kind of an upward trend across genders, and then generally there then there was like kind of a downward trend um, for a bit of time there, you know, and then we can look at how the the two studies are the are kind of different moving beyond that. But so, yeah, it's, uh, what's interesting is, is to think about then why would it be that women and men and people of all genders taken as a whole might be feeling some sort of different, um, or we might be recording in studies, a different perspective on how relationships should work. And one of the things that jumps out right away, of course, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, is that the assumption of what the relationship is, is, is right away, you know, seems like it's, it's a little bit limited in terms of the idea that, well, a, a relationship is, is a man and a woman, you know, and that that is a marriage, you know, because if a, if a man's responding to this question, they could potentially be someone who doesn't want a wife, you know. So when you ask them a question about uh, whether or not they think it's better if men work outside the home or men take care or women take care of the the home, um, their perspective, if they're answering from from a point of view where they have no intention of being married, no intention of being married to a woman, you know, those things would impact their answers. And then on the reverse or on the, another end you know, women could want wives for themselves, you know? So, uh, that seems like part of, could go into this, but then generally, if that is part of the research here, the data, it still begs the question, what is it that might be affecting, um, millennials overall to get them to feel like maybe the, this kind of structure of a relationship is ideal. And and we've had some thoughts on this. But. Yeah, I think you bring up a bunch of good points. So one, and this is why I always get tripped up on the agree, disagree with these statements. It's not not always clear to me, and maybe I just overthink it, what the opposite of the statement is. So if I disagree that the husband should make all the important decisions in the family, am I then saying that the wife should make all the important decisions in the family? Am I saying that both should do them equally? I, I don't you know, and again, maybe this is me overthinking. I don't know what the opposite of the statement is if I disagree with something and that fundamentally makes me uncomfortable. Um, and as you mentioned, it assumes these heteronormative relationships, which, you know, is a, a definitely another aspect to look at because, and it's very important here, because we are talking about millennials. We are talking about the generation that is completely flipping what normal means in the household in all these different ways. But before we dive into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about the second hypothesis, which is um, looking at the Pep and Cotter article. So, you know, we have this figure three about young people's attitudes about gender and families, and we're seeing that fewer and fewer people are disagreeing with these traditional structures of families. And our first assumption might be, you know, what uh, what the other article had mentioned about this male backlash, um, or maybe, you know, something about, you know, uh, one could probably construct an article about economic insecurity and this, you know, back to traditionalism, et cetera, et cetera. Here's what's really interesting, and I find this the most compelling part 
of this piece that I think is a little bit underserved in the New York Times article. They do mention it, but I wish it would mention more. Um, what we are not seeing is is this this attitude reflected in the underlying assumptions behind those statements, right? So when one would assume that if somebody says the man should make all the important decisions in the family, it's because this individual thinks that women are not as capable, or that you know, uh, or if one thinks that. It's usually better for everyone involved. If the man is the achiever outside the home, the woman takes care of the home and family. One might think that a person who agrees with that statement thinks that children may suffer if they don't have a parent at the home. But we're not seeing that reflected in the first two image, uh, first two figures in the Pep and Cotta article. In fact, men and women are tracking about equal, um, and it's gone up and plateaued at about 90% agreeing with the ideas that A, a woman should have exactly the same job opportunities as a man, and B, that women should be considered as seriously as men for jobs as executive or politicians. I think that's the really interesting story here. So we may be going back to traditionalism, but it's not for the traditional reasons. Right. So one of the things that the article points out is that, you know, I'll just read what it says. It says, there's considerable evidence that the decline in support for non-traditional domestic arrangements stems from young people witnessing the difficulties experienced by parents in two-earner families. So in other words, the stall or whatever we want to call it in that uh, kind of trend towards gender equal relationships in society could actually be the result of uh, the lack of support for families overall. You know, and in America, we have a history and a continued legacy of not supporting families and 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 of course that does that that the impact of that often falls most heavily on women because of the way that traditional families have been structured but this is also just a uh, an outgrowth of just general lack of support for family arrangements of any kind you know if you're trying to i think i was saying this before like if you ask a lot of people if who are trying to start a family of any kind and, and you you ask them would you want someone at home who you trusted who loved you who loves your kids who was a part of your family to stay at home and take care of your kids and 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 make sure that they're safe and nurtured a lot of people might say yes now we, you know, there are other factors where we we kind of just assume that that person is going to be a woman, you know, and that has a lot of so, there's a lot of social reasons for that. But so what the article, I, you know, I did like that what it was saying here was that that the trend of young people saying, you know, we want more traditional quote unquote more traditional family arrangements might just be a result of the fact that they're looking out at their uh, colleagues, they're looking at their siblings, they're looking at their parents and saying. Wow, there's no way to do this in this country unless we have somebody stay at home, you know. And so that seems like the answer there is we should challenge men and we should get them to think more um, deeply about gender and their position in the world. But we should also just be supporting families, right? That would ultimately benefit women. Yeah, I mean, there's a good balance uh, if you look at European countries where there are good public investments in high quality childcare, maternity leave, paternity leave, 
and we don't see the same trend in European countries. And you're absolutely right. People look at, um, so it, let's say you, you know, put ourselves in the shoes of a young millennial couple um, expecting a child or getting married. And they say, well, we know that women are paid less than men. We know women hit a ceiling, right? They're, they're not, they're, nothing's being done about that. Um, you know, let's say you work in tech. You know there's these rampant stories of um you know, uh, sexual harassment. Uh, there, you know, we have discussed things called a mommy track, where when a woman has a baby, she's automatically given less responsibility, less opportunities for promotion. Well, you know, if one is being pragmatic, not sexist, frankly, pragmatic, uh, you know that the government's not going to help you pay for childcare. Childcare is incredibly expensive. Anecdotally speaking, I once worked with somebody. His wife earned more than him. They both earned over $100,000. Um, they had two children, uh, were thinking about a third. They did the math and saw that he would have to quit his job in order for them to afford childcare for three children. Their oldest was about going to first grade. So very telling story of two highly educated, white-collar, high-earning professionals seriously debating one of them staying at home um, because of the high cost of childcare. So, you know, if you are, if one is being pragmatic and doing the math, you do come to this conclusion, you know, and, and it's not necessarily based on sexism. It's based on sad pragmatism. I'm not saying pragmatic as in things are okay. It's like pragmatism as in, let's say you're a young couple, you want to have kids the next five years. This is not changing the next five years. So what do you even do? We're not giving people options. So agreed. It's the, I feel like a better headline for this article is that, you know, we are screwing things up for everybody unless we have better support of families and childcare. But it does seem like then it, where it intersects with, you know, sexism and, and the, you know, patriarchy is that for those folks in, in, in power who, you know, historically have really not seen the importance of, uh, of supporting families, they may not, you know, they still might not see the, even when we say all this stuff and we show that folks in general are, choosing to uh, move away from behaviors which might create a more equal world because they're responding to pressures of raising families and then the lack of support. They might say, well, okay, but the solution then is just have women stay home. You know, because, and, and even though the data may not be suggesting that millennials feel that way, we do know that in reality, like our politicians and our leaders in government currently are not necessarily like moving rapidly in a direction of, of creating this support. And I wonder if they're going to, uh, how do we get them to really move in that direction when, you know, I could see someone like Mike Pence reading an article like this and thinking, well, this is a good trend, you know, and, and, and this just proves my point that, you know, for instance, that women should stay at home and, 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 and be the caretakers and, and all the, all those traditional ideas. I mean, right. I think- it, it's, it's very regressive. And I, I think one thing to say is that, um, a dual income household where childcare is supported is a better quality household for a child because you have literally more money in the household. You know, you have, uh, educated women who then are making this decision to stay at home. You have an entire, generation of dissatisfied women they're not making this choice because they want to they're making this choice because they have to um and you know and that's reflected in a lot of the the protests that are happening of the current administration of their regressive policies 
you know, this dissatisfaction is reflected. It's not, it's not okay. People don't think it's okay. Um, you know, it, it's, it is an ugly current necessity that needs to be changed. So I, you know, I, I think there's, there's definitely room there to, um, consider that while this may be the trend, it is not un- underlying this causal relationship that one might assume of sexism isn't there. It is ugly reality rearing its head, but that doesn't mean it's okay. That means one, you know, you have dissatisfied women. Why else would we have so many uh, discussion groups, support groups, women running for office, um, you know, marches, et cetera, et cetera. These are all about getting equality, getting rights. If we were okay with these traditional family structures and we wouldn't be out in the streets, frankly, with our children, right? The, all of my friends who went to these marches brought their babies with them. Um, they're doing their best to show an egalitarian world to their children when they themselves have realized that it might not be happening for them. It's a very sad state of affairs. Yeah, and, and, and what what does get me about this whole thing is like, even if you can, you were to show that you know women, or and men, and and people of all genders are choosing to think about relationships in a more traditional way. Even if that was something that was the case here, which I I don't know that it is, but I think about how women have are more able to work now than they were you know many years ago. So that has changed, right? So men and women, men may be seeing women work more, but then because our attitudes about nurturing and caring in the home have not changed at the same rate or even close to the same rate in terms of uh, the idea that nurturing is something that men can do. And even if we look at the the, the trend in like stay-at-home dads, it's, it's not increasing at, at such a rapid rate that it's negating all these other factors. To me, it's like, well, if I'm a young person and I'm, a, especially if I'm a young woman, maybe I'm looking at the world and saying, you know, men aren't changing if fast, very fast. I'm supposed to go to work. Then I'm supposed to take care of the kids. Then I'm supposed to, you know, take care of my family. I'm supposed to, my extended family. So if one thing is going to shift here and men aren't willing to change, but I still want to have, if I'm, if I'm straight and I still want to have a straight relationship well, then what is the area that's going to give here? You know, what, like, you know, do I, I have to either find a man who's willing to change or I have to be the one to give up one of those things, you know, because like, you know, that's where I feel like is, is like part of the reason why uh, uh, all millennials might be feeling moving towards these traditional ideas is that, it's really because straight men have not changed fast enough, you know, and if they don't change, it's not as if relationships stop, people stop having kids. We can't interrupt it. It just keeps going. And so if it keeps going, whereas something's got to give. And so it seems like it falls on women then to, to make that change in the straight relationship. Right. So in, in, uh, and you do make good distinctions to talk about straight relationships. I think one of the best responses to this on Twitter was by Roxanne Gay, who pretty much said, where's my article about, lesbian women getting married and having children and deciding who gets to stay at home. Um, because this piece is specifically about millennials, what it does not do is address all of the changes millennials have introduced. So I mentioned that earlier, right? 
It does not talk about gay couples. It doesn't talk about single parents. It doesn't even address the fact that millennials get married later and fewer millennials get married than have before, right? Um, one thing that's a little problematic about this entire line of thinking is that it is rooted in already rooted in traditional house styles, traditional home, and even traditional work styles, right? How many people are able to have, uh, you know, flexible work schedules where they work from home a couple of days a week? Um, how many people are able to work from home entirely? How many people do, uh, let's say, contract work or, you know, um, uh, Uber driving or somewhere where you can be more flexible with your schedule? Um, they don't think about these things. They don't address these things. And nowhere is it the, is the possibility supported in their line of questioning. So one really pr problematic thing with the structure of this is you're already put in the mindset of traditional heteronormative relationships. So maybe we're just responding in traditional heteronormative styles because the study has already told us to think that way. Yes. And millennials, you know, what's also interesting about millennials is they're both more... Uh, open to different kinds of relationships and different um, <clears throat> configurations of relationships, like you said, work styles. But then at the same time, I also think sometimes millennials get lumped together in a way where we kind of assume that they are all progressive. And then I think about the fact that many of those millennial people voted um, for a very traditional and you could say very retrograde type of leader in, in an administration, right? And so when I think about what I draw from this article overall is it's both this idea that this research doesn't necessarily include all the various types of relationships that young people have today and that and that leads us to a limited understanding of, of what they're thinking when they're answering these questions based in heteronormative uh, ideas of relationships. And then I also think I will want to go deeper into that. That's why I wish the study would have gone there because I want to know who are the millennials who support this the most? You know, is it uh, white men? Is it, you know, cisgender people? Who, you know, is it folks living in a certain part of the country? Is it people who have uh, different income parents, you know, or that come from poverty? You know, all these things I think are important. You mentioned in our notes, are they immigrants? Are they, what religion are they? You know, like what, what kind of home life did they have? All those things I think are so essential to understanding this because we made a similar mistake in the election when we think about, we just kind of blanketly say, oh, uh, you know, Trump won this vote or that vote. And then we go deeper into it and we say, yeah, he won the vote of white women, but not black women. You know, those kinds of things matter. And I think even amongst millennials, they're not changing overnight, right? Millennials are still divided on those lines. And and I think that's why, um, as is the point of a lot of our conversations, is we always come back to this idea that the thinking about bias, thinking about the details of a person's life and where they're coming from, it should be an element of research and how we talk about it, because that's how we actually, I think, get to the things we want, like that support of families. I think we have to really call out the, the nuances of, of, of who millennials are and, and what, why they might be thinking the way they think. Okay, that's our show. Thanks for listening. And as always, you can find more information about the articles we discussed, the studies, in the notes section of our SoundCloud, as well as on our Tumblr, studieshow.tumblr.com. We're also on iTunes if you'd like to subscribe, and we hope that you do. 
And uh, yeah, thanks again and we'll see you next time.